Good evening, everybody. Um, calling the special meeting of December 8th, 2022 of the Santa Monica Malibu School Board of Education to order. Let's take roll. John? Keen? Here. Jen Smith? Here. Lori Lieberman? Here. Richard TJ? I'm here. Craig Foster? Here. And Maria Leon Vasquez is here. Um, I don't think any of the students are here, Mira or Irina. Okay, they're not here. Okay. So let's begin uh, with the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, Richard, would you like to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance? I would. Um, please rise if you are able and place your right hand over your heart. Let us begin. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Okay. Madam President, I move yes. the agenda. The agenda moved by Richard, seconded by Lori. Hey Anything guys, can I, yes. we yes. had, I think Sarah suggested we might move public comment tonight because of the late arrival of the documents. Do we want to do that? Sure, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, so that's an, okay. an is that okay with you? We'll just say the- yeah. Right. Agenda so in other words, the general that. comment will go for everything for consent, but the, for the actual major action item, it will be taken at the time that it's being heard. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Thank you. So that's a change. That. Is that Correct. fine? Thank you. Yeah. With that change, let's take the vote on the agenda. Craig? Yes. John? Yes. Jen? Yes. Oh, Lori? Yes. Richard? Yes. And it's a yes by me. Okay. So let's move on to um, board commendations of National Inclusive Schools Week, MASH. Do that. Okay. Oh, there you are. Hi, Jessica. Hi there. Uh, Sarah, am I allowed to screen share? Okay. So thank you, school board and district leadership for welcoming SMASH to share how we are honoring um, Inclusive Schools Week. Just for your context, 21% of SMASH students have IEPs. And we read in a Nielsen News article this just this morning that matches what the CDC says that the United States of America has 26% of people uh, in our country with visible and non visible disabilities. So we're aware that we closely or approximate uh, what's happening across our country. So um, we know that the instructional uh, supports and our practices support a variety of learning learners. And so we hope that you will look at these photos and video evidence to see how all of these things are integrated into all we do and support a real variety of learners, including the social emotional curriculum. Everybody is trained and uses both responsive classroom at the elementary level and developmental designs as our social emotional curriculum for middle school. Uh, we're all trained and integrate restorative practices and that's the entire instructional staff classified and certificated. 
And then um, social justice standards are woven into our project-based learning approach, which uses multiple modalities, including arts integration and um, support by professional guest experts. And then we use a workshop model of teaching for both literacy and then um, cognitively guided instruction workshop model for math. So here's an example from the semester in writing workshop where um, students who are getting in touch with their um, identity as well as their conflict resolution skills are supported through a writing unit. What is a trouble story? Uh, so students thought about true moments from their lives that centered on a problem. And just like the stories they read in the library and elsewhere, it might include getting hurt or losing someone special or some kind of uh, interpersonal internal conflict. And then they gathered examples and published um, how, how they moved through that. And so they learn a lot about their own strategies as well as each other's. Here's an example of an identity project, and hopefully you can see the multiple modalities involved. On the top left, there's a self-portrait that was done in uh, colored pencil, watercolor, and um, Sharpie with an artist statement to describe that student. There is on the left side in the middle, wire sculpture that was also done um, to symbolize uh, something about their identity. You can see uh, on the uh, top right, a clay sculpture that uh, is a different form of self-portrait. And on the bottom right, you can see sewing that was done in addition to the um, written autobiography. So hopefully there's an entry point for people who have all different kinds of strengths to, um, to shine uh, and um, be celebrated and honored by their classmates. Uh, this is a little close-up of, um, we did a, a deeper look into uh, what are some different indigenous practices around the world and what does it mean to have a spirit animal and what does that represent about your essence or your belief and the way you approach the thing. And then for those who um, might uh, have more of a struggle in a written mathematical formula, but have really strong spatial relationships. Here is a sample from the semester about where math and economics and the study of maps and doing drafting and revisions along with learning the technical vocabulary of an architect um, was used for groups to uh, create. So um, we wanna give a shout out for all that these people make possible. The students, our paraprofessionals, our SAI teachers, the specialists, the um, instructional assistants, the gen ed teachers, and the parents and guardians who uh, really make uh, a connected and um, stimulating community for all students. And we uh, wanna share just two minutes of, uh, of a video we created. May God bless and keep you always May your wishes all come true May you always do for others And let others do for you May you build a ladder to the stars And climb 
appreciate you welcoming us to share a little bit about how everything intersects to create a, um, a really warm and stimulating academic and social emotional community for that nurtures adults and students alike. And we are really proud to honor Inclusive Schools Week. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is great. We really appreciate that, um, Jessica. You know, one of the key, I remember visiting, this is, I don't know, a few years back, before the pandemic, of course, um, where you, in the morning, you would start off your day. And it was almost like a, like a wellness process that you would, in a sense, kind of calm everybody down from, you know, as everybody's hurrying to get to school and somebody forgot this, forgot that, that you would spend a few minutes of just calming everybody down so that everybody could breathe and just be at a, like, almost as a, at a good state, just begin the day of learning. You still do that there? At, uh, Yes, so um, a part of uh, being a responsive classroom developmental design school means we all start with a morning meeting that's designed to create a sense of belonging to a group, that your ideas are significant, and that school is a fun place to be. And part of that gentle landing from whatever you um whatever your morning was like coming into school is um we have a, a whole series of breath work, mindfulness practices, meditation, um, movement. So for example, um, Ms. Leon Vasquez this year, um, we have a 10 minute running club going for some of our students who their physical motor is really activated. And in order to be able to even join the circle, they just need to expend some energy. Or um, we have um, uh, 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 all kinds of, um, very quick breath work and meditations that we do to get get settled and connect in our mornings. And we're grateful because um, for years we had a partnership with the Center for Mindful Living that really um, works side by side with our staff to, to develop those um, tools. Well, thank you. I'm glad you explained because I'm sure I, I didn't give it any justice. I, I just, I didn't remember. And I thought it was so great just to see the kids just like, okay, like breathing, you know, okay, we're ready to start the day. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's something great that I think, you know, most of, you know, schools could do that in the morning and just like change the whole dynamic, I think, of learning in that. But thank you, I appreciate it. Thank you. If we don't see you, have a nice holiday. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
forward to um, the consent items. Public comments, Madam Chair. Oh, I'm sorry. I always, okay, public comments. Um, so Madam Chair, um, we have, um, it is our practice, um, in our, this, I don't know, this isn't too loud, uh, not to uh, take public comments on commendations, but I do want um, us to know that there is a person here in the room who has requested to speak. Um, I did uh, mistakenly inform the person that um, general public comments would be at the end of the meeting, but forgetting that we do not have general public comments on special meetings, at special meetings. So um, there, I just want to report to my colleagues that there is one person who would like to speak to the, uh, the, the commendation item and asking what are, that is. Yes, there's a single public comment, but it's on an agenda item that we don't usually take public comments for. I move, I second Lori's motion. <laughs> I don't think it needs a vote, but is it okay? I just, is it okay, Madam Chair, yeah, if I call that person? Sure, go ahead. Um, so. The person is chosen as is his, her, their right to uh, not be named. So we are welcoming a person who'd like to speak on the um, uh, commendation item, which is the National Inclusive Schools Week. Uh, welcome to the podium here, please. You'll have three minutes to address the Board of Education. Welcome. Thank you. And thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to provide my meaningful feedback on our experiences at SMASH. Um, I have one child who goes to SMASH who receives special education services. Um, he exists at the bottom end of that large achievement gap, which only continues to grow. At SMASH, he is isolated and excluded. He sits alone in a corner doing apex learning where there is no collaboration or interaction with peers or even live instruction. Why is apex learning even allowed in the classroom? I was not given this choice, this option. I strongly disagree with it. I strongly object to it. However, that falls on deaf ears. At SMASH, my child isn't even provided with books and my repeated complaints and pleas for books and my objections to Apex Learning, which began in August, have been utterly ignored. I was told my child would be receiving small group instruction in the STEP program, as is described on the district website. Instead, he is stuck in front of a computer all day where he plugs in prompted answers, checking your boxes, because that is easier for the administration. How is this social and emotional learning? How is my child's experience so different than what you just heard? Last Monday, there was a field trip to the movie theater for the entire seventh and eighth grade, what is referred to as core four. I learned the night before that my child wouldn't be going. He wasn't included. Imagine going back to school after a holiday and watching all the other kids leave while you sit there alone for no reason. Can you imagine what that would feel like? He is keenly aware that he is left out. Every day is another sharp blow to his self-esteem. Last, our experience at SMASH has been anything but equitable or inclusive. We have spent so much time and so much money and so 
so many efforts from so many people to create piles of documents over the years where people put in their time and their energy. And what do we get? In December, this is what we get. This is the co-created checklist that was slapped on my child's notebook. So at the end of this year, this school year, they could say that he had done what was provided on his accommodations. Does this look right? Can this be what all of the money and the time and effort is spent on? Because this is not meaningful. It's the sad. The time is, is up. Thank you. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, if, you if there are more comments, um, you can provide them to um, Sarah uh, or we can, uh, we have an email. Sarah, is there something we can do or can maybe with the microphones because they're screeching on our end. They don't, aren't typically like this. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's, so Ben, I mean, look, it's hard to know what the situation is because we don't know the speaker's name, but hopefully that if the speaker could maybe step to the side and maybe talk, give her name to Dr. Mora, we could at least make a, find out what's going on here I'll and see it. if there's something that we need to do to assist the student. Yeah, that, that's a great idea. So if you don't mind, uh, we have staff members here. If we want to give the name, then we're looking, we're looking through that matter. Okay, so let's, yeah. Okay, let's move on to the consent items. So yes, there are no more public comments. I figured that. I'll, I'll move consent. Moved by John, seconded by Jen. Any comments? Changes none? Okay, so let's take the vote. Craig? Uh, yes. Yes, John? Yes. Jen? Yes. Lori? Yes. Richard? Yes. And it's a yes by me, so that's that. All right, let's move on to- um... Hey folks, the um, video is on the speaker's podium, which is empty and not you guys. Oh, there we go. There you go. We just had a change, not a problem. Okay, now we move on to the major action item, which is the approval of the first interim report for 2223. Uh, Mrs. Melody Kennedy will do the honors. Good evening, board. Let me um, pull this up really quick for you. Looks like we're going into share mode. Okay. Um, again, good evening, board. Good evening, um, Dr. Drotty and uh, community and fellow uh, cabinet members. Um, I also would like to acknowledge that um, Mr. Gerardo Cruz, our director of finance is online and um, might pop in to make some corrections of mine or um, answer some questions if we, ha we have any questions on um, true uh, details uh, pieces. Um, let's get started. And um, tonight we're here to do our, our budget reporting. Um, and these are our periods of time that we actually do bring this, this um, or bring the budget to you each year. There are about 12 times that we bring it in, in a fiscal year, um, starting from July 1st to June 30th of, of uh, every year. Tonight, obviously it's December and we're in our first interim. So it's our very first uh, reporting period to you folks um, since you've adopted the budget. Um, the, um, excuse me, the report actually shows the district financial position as of October 31st of 2022. So that would be July 1st to October 31st. 
Um, it displays the adopted budget in the, uh, for the first uh, and the first interim with a change between um, each period. Uh, it includes an analysis of the standards and assumptions for uh, financial reporting set by the state. And it analyzes um, the impact of the multi-year projections of the general fund and the current and the next um, two fiscal years. Um, we'll also um, talk about the how it's um, going to be certified um, of one of the three conditions. It's either positive, negative, or qualified. Um, we'll talk about the general fund, uh, Fund 01, and um, how that is actually calculated for us. Um, this is, and you've seen this many times, and I believe the community has as well, but for those that haven't actually seen it, this is actually called the Local Control Funding Formula Calculator or, or the LC, LCFF. And it's really the basis of, of how um, we determine whether or not um, we're basic aid and how much money are we actually going to receive um, on, the, on a uh, base. So for the base grant, um, you can kind of see that there, it is actually determined by um, uh, grade levels. So we've got TK um, th um, through three, you've got four through six, seven through eight, and nine through 12. Um, and then the, there are COLAs and what have you that are applied to this, this base, and there's a, a particular dollar amount for each grade level, um, bringing us to about 83 point, a little bit over $83.4 million um, for our base grant for the district. Then there's augmentation grants, which is your um, CSR, which is cost size re reduction, and your CTE augmentation for um, grades 9 through 12. And um, those both uh, added up together come about $3 million. Um, we have a supplemental grant. We do not get con concentration here. However, that's just the way that the calculator is actually um, um, titled. And within our concentration grant, excuse me, within our supplemental grant, um, which actually is a, a, a major piece that our ed services um, department actually um, works with on a, on a uh, annual basis, um, that's $4.3 million. And then you have your transportation and TIG grant. Um, you can see those dollar amounts there. And then um, we have a total um, LCFF entitlement of $92.1 million. Um, you remove out the 8.5 categorical from the 2012-13 um, programs of the 8.5 million. And then we get a total funding less the minimum categoricals, as I just mentioned, of $83.5 million. Then um, one thing that, that is added back in is the local, local revenue um, property taxes. You actually take that, subtract it from the total funding, um, 83.5 million. That gives you a negative number of $22.8 million, meaning that if that number comes into the negative, it is um, us as a basic aid district of about $22.8 million. Um, this is the unrestricted general fund. This is hey, just Melody, the I'm yes. sorry, would you mind if we just, I think it's good every time we talk about it, especially at the first interim, to point out that's $23 million we receive from local property taxes that's over and above the funding that 90% of the school districts in the state get from their LCFF funding. So among the many ways we're incredibly financially fortunate, when we talk about basic aid, that's $23 million of benefit to the district from the fact that our property taxes 
fund us above the level that the state would fund us left to their own devices. And I don't want to talk about it a lot. I just think it's important to punch that fact. It is important to punch that. And I apologize for skimming over it. I just, some days I think I got this in my head and I just yep. come right no on. Problem. And we do it 12 times a year. I just haven't <laughs> heard it in a while and it felt like time to say it again. Yeah, so, it is. So Thank Melody, you. just on that same note, I mean, maybe this is a conversation to have too, because if we look at the large, <clears throat> the large increases in monies that have been coming to districts with higher concentrations of, of identified students. You can look at districts within LAUSD and other districts, which are actually on a per people basis, getting more revenue than we're getting per people here. So I think basic aid, like Craig points out, we have to understand how basic aid operates so that we make our decisions properly. And one of the things we're seeing is there is more one-time money uh, going to districts that have a greater concentration of need. You're so right. we, we do have to look at it in, in a, if we're going to look at it just us, we do have to look broader as well. We are not so unique in that we are so much more wealthy than others. And again, we're not going to compare them because where there is need, there needs to be more revenue. And we're a little bit more volatile in, in our um, funding sources, what have you, because we're funded off of property taxes and not off the of state aid. State aid is actually given to districts at the beginning of their fiscal year, where we only get this in the middle of the year and at the end of the year. So we have to be a little more um, thoughtful in our reserves and how we do our spending as well. So thank you, gentlemen, for, for um, chiming in there. So this um, is actually, I'm, I'm not gonna spend any time, too much time on these particular numbers. Um, the next slide actually kind of gives us explanation as to what these numbers mean. Other than we did have a total revenue um, decrease since our, our adopted of $1.1 million and we'll go into what caused that. And then um, a total expenditure increase of over $19 million. So for those major changes in revenue, um, we have um, $8.9 million that actually was a part of the ending fund balance for 21-22. And that is always kind of set aside as you build the budget. And then for 22-23, we put that back into the, be the beginning fund balance. So that was $8.9 million. Um, we have a, an additional um, projected increase for RDA or redevelopment agency excess tax funds of $4 million. And then um, there's a, some um, other increases in other local revenue. I won't you know, go through all of those numbers, but one of the reasons that you saw this actual negative $1.1 million appear in revenue is that we actually had a larger contribution of 5.5 million to our special ed and our routine restricted maintenance. And the biggest part, you're gonna hear the same theme over and over again. We did give a 10% raise and all of those retros are actually now reflected within this particular um, budget. And so you're, that's why the contribution looks higher um, because we've actually done the math at this point and um, added those in. So that 5.5 mostly goes to that 10% increase within that area. Um, on the expenditure side, um, you'll see that um, pretty much what I just got through um, speaking about was the 10% increase. You could look at the, the first three items there um, the 8.6, the 3.7, and 3.2, those are all increases due to that 10% increase to the salary schedules. Um, below that, there's a two, little over $2 million increase in books and supplies. That's, that is because there's a $2 million textbook adoption 
um, one of the things that um, normally happens with textbook adoption, we do take that from a restricted funding or our uh, lotteries or the supplemental. And at this time, that those dollars were um, less than what was needed to be able to do this. So this is being pulled from the general fund at this point. Um, there was another $1.6 million increase in services and other operating um, costs. And I won't really go through those. I'll let you guys um, be able to look at that on your own. Um, on that $4 million that we talked about for the RDA, this is actually a look, a look back of 12 years. And what we were trying to do is trying to hone in on where do we really think those RDA funds are going to actually fall based on the historical data. And based on that, and basically what we're, we're looking at right at this moment is the very bottom of this, the very bottom row, maybe the last two, the last three rows, excuse me, for 2021, 21, 22, 22, 23. Um, if you go all the way over to where it says variance, and then there's a percentage sign, and then it's um, fiscal year versus fiscal year variance. Um, you'll see under the column that says variance here, the third one from, from the, from the um, right-hand side. Um, in 2021, we had $5.1 million increase on that that we hadn't anticipated. And then in 21-22, there was a little over $5 million increase. And so we feel comfortable being able to add in the $4 million increase for redevelopment um, agency funds. Again, um, on the general fund, but now on the restricted side, um, you'll see that total revenues did increase by $14.3 million and our total expenditures um, actually increased as well by $10.6 million. Explanation for that is that once again, we've added in our Indian fund balance from the previous year into the, into the new fiscal year of about $2.6 million. Um, there was 6.6 million plus um, funds that you could see here that are all ESSER title one, two, three, and four um, funds that actually have um, hit the coffers. And so we're, we're actually accommodating for that. Um, there was another $1.3 million increase in state projected revenues and state um, CARES Act COVID-19 funding. Um, I think we're starting to see kind of the ends of all of these, but um, you could kind of see a listing of all of those, uh, all of those there. Um, kind of dropping down to there's $813,523 um, increase in projected revenues from the PTA booster club and, uh, and gifts and carryover balances. Woohoo, we're happy to, to get that most definitely. And here's the $5.5 million that I mentioned in the revenue that um, we had to use as a contribution. And now you see that um, on the special ed side and the, the uh, routine restricted for um, their, their portion of the revenue. For the expenditures on, um, on the um, restricted, um, you'll see that it's kind of repeating itself. Like I said, there's somewhat of a theme here. Um, the first three um, items that are here are all related to that 10% increase in us shoring up um, vacancies and um, uh, positions that have been filled. And then um, again, you'll see the, the, the $2.1 million that, that is in there for items related to learning recovery from the COVID-19 and a board adoption resolution. Um, and then there's another $1.13 million increase in services and operating, operating costs. Um, 
And then there's a small $8,000 for equipment maintenance operations, and then another $228,071 increase in indirect costs for other categorical programs and federal state resources. This is a um, graph that we show um, every single time. It hasn't really changed too much. Um, our LCFF and local state um, funding or revenues is about 62% of the actual overall budget. Everything that you see chopped up over here on the other side, um, all of these little pieces of pie are um, those other local revenues and those other um, pieces that, that um, uh, we mentioned at the very beginning. On expenditure side of, of everything, about uh, salaries and benefits are about 86% of the total overall budget. Um, having certificated salaries be about 38% of that um, piece of the pie and classified salaries being a 20% where 28% um, of the budget is um, employee benefits. Then we have the components of the ending fund balance. I know you folks have seen this many, many times. Um, mo many, many others may not have actually seen this. So we'll just kind of break it down. Where it says fund 01 up here in this one box, um, what we're seeing is our unrestricted general fund beginning balance of $46.7 million with a current year um, deficit at this point of $19.5 million. You might go, Ooh, how did we get such a deficit? Once again, remember, we're talking about um, the increase of the 10% to the salary schedules plus the retros that we actually had to do for the 20, um, excuse me, the 21-22 school year as well. So that's kind of what that totality is of all of those. It gives us an ending fund balance of $27.1 million. Of that $27.1 million, um, we have to put aside um, by state uh, state regulations, uh, uh, excuse me, a 3% reserve for economic uncertainties of 6.2 million. And then we do have a small $20 million, excuse me, $20,000 reserve for revolving cash uh, prepaids. Um, that gives us a reserve for our up to two months, not quite making the, the full reserve that we need, but it is, it was, it's a decent reserve considering all of the retros that we've had to pay out, all those, the 10% um, that we've actually added into the salary schedule at this point of uh, a little over $20 million, almost $21 million. Um, that brings our current reserve right now at 13.12%. We should probably be closer to about 25%, um, but we are spending down those reserves because we did give those salary increases. So the statewide average reserves, I don't think I'll go over this in detail. I will let you go ahead and take a look at this. Basically what it's talking about though is um, unified, we are a unified district and it's just a comparison of where we are at compared to other districts um, throughout. And um, we're actually on our reserves about 4.39% below um, other districts. So for other funds, um, we'll report on each of those. This is the adult education fund. I won't go over those exact numbers because you can kind of see those, but we'll just go ahead and talk about what the um, changes are there. For revenue, we had $158,189. Again, the ending fund balance for the, from the previous year um, rolled into the new beginning fund balance. Um, then you had um, a, a, a small $9,231 increase in federal adult education block grant. 
um, which is a small program. So I'm, I know that, that every penny actually counts within there. Um, and then you could kind of see the expenditures that are attached to that. I won't read each of those um, piece by piece. The Child Development Fund, um, they did have a total revenue increase of 573,487 um, with a total expenditure increase as well of $1.2 million. Those uh, major changes are actually, um, once again, the ending fund balance from the prior year rolled into the, to the current beginning fund balance of this year of $1.1 million. And then you can kind of see um, the other projected increases in revenue come from federal food program, um, state preschool and child um, care funding program, and then the revenue in, in the full fee program as well. Um, for expenditures, they also felt that 10% increase. So you're pretty much seeing what those increases in those expenditures are of um, certificated and classified and then the statutory benefits here. For our cafeteria special fund, um, they did not have any increases in their revenue at this time. Um, however, they do have additional um, expenditures once again on those um, those salary increases um, that are, are here as well in the overtime and substitute salaries as well, um, as well as their statutory benefits and what have you. For deferred maintenance, um, there was not a real large, um, um, excuse me, there was not a, <laughs> a increase in revenues, but we did have the ending fund balance again come from the um, fiscal, the prior fiscal year into this current fiscal year of, of a little over $50,000. And then they had an increase in other operating costs uh, for abatement pro projects of a little over 15000 15, Then we have the building fund for measure BB, ES, SMS, and M, which is all the series that we actually have. Um, that I won't go into this deep, uh, too deeply, but you will be able to see this is information in your attachments um, uh, within your packet. So for capital facilities, again, rolling that ending fund balance from last year into this year of about $1.1 million, and then um, had some expenditures, one of the biggest ones being in other operating um, services and and costs for HVAC repair projects of about $436,000, excuse me. Then we have a special reserve for capital outlay. Um, again, rolling the ending fund balances from prior year to the current year, about $13.1 million. And then um, we did have a, a, a COP or a certificate of participation um, in a trust account of $6.6 .6 million. And then um, we have expenditures um, that are coming from that for the new district office, about 5.5 million. And then this is your, your bond uh, interest and redemption fund. It's kind of showing you um, what the total revenues are and what the total expenditure increases were. And, um, this is actually updated per LACO's uh, projected totals at this point. And then you have your retire, retiree um, benefit fund for OPEB. And we had a um, decrease in our ending fund balance and that was um, adjusted into the beginning fund balance and no um, changes in our expenditures. 
So this kind of brings us into our multi-year projection and um, it reflects that the district's financial position over the current and the next two fiscal years. Um, as you can see here in bullet number two, these are the um, state COLAs that um, are actually applied to some of that base grant that we talked about back there in that LCFF calculator. Um, these are fairly hefty. They're bigger ones than I've seen in my 25 years within the, within the district. Um, doesn't affect us too much <laughs> um, in that fact that we are um, in a basic aid kind of a situation. Um, we don't necessarily see, see this other than in a, in a few different um, programs, um, say special ed and um, child development and what have you. Um, we're, we're continuing to be fully funded when it comes to the LCFF gap of 100%. And then um, we're losing about 300 um, students um, per year um, since about 2019, 18-19, uh, and somewhere in, in that period. So we've got a uh, CBEDS enrollment right at this moment of um, 8,835. And then we have our local revenues uh, from um, our partial tax, our prop, our prop Y and GSH, our city of Malibu and the Santa Monica joint use um, agreements, the Santa Monica Education Foundation and the Malibu fundraising. Um, we also have leases and rentals and other local income. Um, you can see the, uh, for 22, 23, 23, 24, 24, 25, we've got between uh, 47.9 million to $48.5 million um, local revenues. Our employee health and welfare um, increases of 5% and step and column increases are about 1.5% um, each year. Um, that's very common for us to put that in. And then as we spoke a little bit a moment ago about the reserve for economic uncertainties at 3%. We also have reserves for future deficit spending offset by the, the budget reductions in the form of a fiscal stabilization plan. And you'll see that when we go into the um, actual multi-year um, spreadsheet. Um, we have a reserve for up to two months of general fund expenditures. That was that $20 million I spoke of just a few months ago. And then we, we do um, project that a property tax increase of about 5% per year that, that has been um, historically the norm for us. Um, this, this projection does not include additional potential salary, um, salary changes um, as a result of negotiations with um, uh, Santa Monica, Malibu, CTA, the SEIU, and the SMASA group. So kind of rolling into this multi-year um, projection, we've already talked about column B, C, and D. So I'm really going to have you um, kind of pay attention to column E and F. And as you can see, what we've done is, um, as I said, in, in column D, we've added that um, four, $4 million RDA um, increase. And what we've done is it was, we've put that across to each year um, in column E and F. And that's pretty much the only changes that we really made within this, but this portion of the budget, the supplemental LCFF funding um, uh, at this time since our uh, adopted budget. Then this is uh, other portions of the revenue, things that we just talked about a moment ago, the measure R, the uh, measure YGSH, um, 
and then um, our joint use agreements with the uh, city of Santa Monica and Malibu, and then the Ed Foundation um, funds and the leases and rentals. So you can kind of see all of those um, within there. <clears throat> and so we're projecting 131 point, we'll just, just call it $131.9 million for um, 23-24. And then in the year 24-25, we're looking at $136.4 million. So for the expenditure side of this, um, everything weighs heavily, as I kind of mentioned in each one of those um, uh, sections or, or slides that we, we looked at at the very beginning. And it weighs heavily in slide, uh, excuse me, in lines 25, 26, and 27, because that's where your increases of your um, salary increase of the 10% uh, increases that. And you could kind of see that and it's carried across. Now you might go, wait a minute, you've got column C, first interim, where we're sitting at tonight for certificated salaries at $61.6 million. And in column E for the, the projected, it goes down. How, how is that the case? Um, the case of that is that for the $61.6 million, that includes the retro for the, the prior year and the 10% for this year going forward or for the, the whole fiscal year. Um, you would not want to put the retro into the new fiscal, the, the, the other two fiscal out fiscal years um, in that that would just inflate that expenditure. So what we've, what we've done is just took the, took the retro back out of um, column C within line 25, 26 and 27 and, um, and then did the 10% on that and brought that over into columns E and column F. And if there's any questions on that, I'd be glad to um, try to help with that. Just try not to inflate it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you, my, my brain just popped on that one. So walk <laughs> me through that again. Obviously, we can't count it. We can't book it twice. Correct. But can you explain again how we're booking it moving forward? Okay, so, so thank you. So look at column C, line 25 and 26, 16.6 million, 61.6 million, the other one's 25.2 uh, million, right? Then go over to column E and column F, and you'll see, let's just stick with line 25. On line 25, column E is, is a lower dollar amount than what it is in column C. It's a year later. I was like, why is that less? And it's less because in column C, line 25, we actually have the retro for 20, uh, 21, 22 in there for that whole entire year, because it got paid in this year. And we are also paying the 10% on top of that for this year. So it's two years worth of salary. As my grandmother would say, I see. <laughs> I may not have given the best explanation. So <laughs> I just saw the looks on your faces. I thought oh, we better pause for <laughs> the cause. You got it? Okay. So um, you'll see that also in line 25, uh, excuse me, line 26. And then the benefits kind of follow suits with that suit with that because you also have um, your stirs, your PERS, all of your um, uh, health and welfare and your SEIU, or excuse me, SUIs and workers' comp and all of that kind of follows suit. So that's actually in line 27. And line 27 is rolled up of line 28 through line 35. So that's why I don't want to go through that piece by piece. So um, 
like I said, we're sticking in columns E and F. And so that's kind of the explanation. So like I said, at the beginning of this, our theme is 10% increase. And I probably should have um, also said with a retro for the prior year, um, all folded into one piece here. Um, as mentioned earlier, um, we're looking at line 55 here, that one that's highlighted in pink or salmon or whatever color we want to call that. That's a $6.4 million um, decrease in um, expenditures based on the fact that we need to look at some of our expenditures, some of the costs that we're doing in order to um, help our, our budgets actually balance out. Um, those are some conversations I think that we need to have in some workshops and what have you um, after the, the beginning of the new um, calendar year so that we can kind of talk about where things are going to roll out and maybe some other funding that might be coming into the district and what have you that might be able to um, help us out there. So then you'll see our total expenditures um, actually increase um, slightly. Um, but well, they do, but they don't because you do have back in column C down there on line 60, $148.9 million um, um, overall total expenditures. But once again, remember that was your pain that you're paying out of this particular fiscal year, your retro for the prior year. And then you've got that 10% in there right at this moment. And then when you jump over to line to column E and F down there on line 60, you'll notice that that is slightly less than that. And that's just that reflection. Then um, um, the one thing that we always have to look at is where are we actually sitting? I mean, what, what did that actually do to our, our budgets? And um, as you can see, I'll, I'll, I will jump to line C for a moment. Um, you'll see that, that huge, ugly red $19.5 million uh, uh, deficit there. But once again, like I said, we're spending down the reserve so that we could actually pay those, um, those obligations that we have on salaries. Um, then over to column E and F, you're looking at a surplus of $1.2 million for the 23-24 school year, and then in 24-25, um, about $4.2 million surplus. And those are just projected. Those are um, targets that, that you know, we've kind of think that that's where it's headed at this point in time. Um, we do, like I said, this is up until October 31st of, of 2022. Um, your next ending period will be um, January 31st, which is coming up real soon. So you'll have your first interim by March and or, excuse me, your second interim by March um, to look at. And I will stop there for a moment. I have a, I have a question for you, Melody. Yes. You know, what we're looking at the last page, you, you, the, the multi-year projections that you, you still have up there. Because uh -huh. in a sense, when you're looking at 23, 24, 24, 25, we're out of the red. However, we're out of the red, but does, does those amounts um, include the fact that we've already um, put into the budget, the budget, you know, stabilization, the, the, the reductions of the 6.4? So that's a good question. The only reason you're out of the red is because we do have the 6.4 okay. subtracted out of there. All right. Good okay. catch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there are some adjustments, adjustments yeah. that we are going to have to make. Right. right. Yeah. And is, is that something that then, I guess, as you said, we, we're, from January, we're going to have those 
discussions, I guess, with and figure out what we're looking at. Yes, we do need to have discussions and what we're looking at. Um, and we, we know that there might be some funding sources that are you know coming to us, but we don't have them as of yet. So I wasn't comfortable putting those in there. Right, right. And it's, sometimes it's more like, let's see the money, honey, before we actually, you know. No, uh, no, no, I agree with that. No, I agree yeah. with that because I know that certain things just passed. Yeah, yeah. They were in the, part of the election process. So I, yeah, I yeah. understand that. The I, only other thing that I wanted to bring up is that I know that when you first came here, you, you actually gave us a very clean budget. You know, just, I think it was just um, salaries and bennies and whatever, just for salaries for, for personnel. I wonder if we can get, if there's any way that we can begin that process, not like that now, of course, because you've been here and we've kind of been able to figure out what I think is something that we want to keep there and what we don't, but I wonder if we can, you know, approach it in that way from January to see and, and kind of isolate some of those programs that we need to, in a sense, go back and evaluate or so forth to see if they're working or not so that we can, you know, as a, as a, you know, as a board decide whether we want to keep those, we tweak them, get better or do something else with it. I, I, I think that we could approach it in that, in that direction and, and try to come up with something for you um, along those lines. Um, so that leave it up to the I, board. I, I think, think that, when that first came up, I, I think it's valuable for us to look at, to identify programs where we're spending our larger amounts of money. But at the same time, I remember when you came in with that, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We can't just randomly do this. We have to see which is productive, which are benefiting us, which are helping students. So it's it, it's sort of a, 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 a two-part thing. We can identify these programs easily. You can do that easily. Right. You can probably do it right now off the top of your head, name three. But that doesn't mean they're not working. So it, I mean, we have to go through and make sure we've said this all the time and it's no, no, hard definitely. for us to, right. it's hard for us to do that sort of high level deep dive, but it is something we need to try to balance. I mean, if we're, if we're, if we're spending more on this one program, let's make sure it's effective. Mm -hmm. you know? I could definitely give you numbers, but I can't give you whether it's working or not. Yeah. So that's a no, two no, no, I know that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you, you can identify and, I then can. It goes, and then add services and the superintendent. Then we go with superintendent and Dr. Mora, who kind of will follow up. Yeah. Dr. I think Dr. 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 has something. Yeah. So maybe uh, turn yours off there. So I, I, I think as you guys go through this, uh, I know we'll have new board members coming on board and that some of the veterans understand this, but this is the first interim. It's really our first look at what's coming. A, a lot of our work prior to this has been on what have we done and, and finalizing last year. This is the first transition to go into what's coming. So we know that there are some, and this is a combination of what we think we, we, we think locally and what the state is going to project, but it's not 100% firm what's what. And so, but right now, this is the time to start initiating between now and second interim in February about those programmatic decisions you have to make. What, what's the strategy moving forward? And in there, I think between now and February, to help you guys make these decisions, you, we're going to have to solidify it. Are there other revenue sources coming in that can help you manage all through that? So it's a, it's a, it's a. You bring up a good yeah, point, which is yeah. something we've all talked about before, which is what is the takeaway from every presentation? The takeaway of the first interim is where do we stand as of October 31? Can we pay our bills for this school year and the next two school years? That's what this document's about. That's what the first interim is. Where are we as of Halloween? Can we afford this year and the next two? That's this document. But it also informs the discussion that Maria is talking about is where's the programmatic side? How does that fit into this? So it's like, 
But today, can we pay our bills for three years? That's this document. Right, right. Can, can I Thank add to that? I'm sorry to jump sure, in. Sure, go ahead, Craig. Um, it, can I add to that, that this line 55 fiscal stabilization plan is cuts that this board has not yet made that we are assuming they are going to make. Those cuts make a dramatic difference in what the out years look like because cuts are also cumulative, meaning if you cut a million dollars next year, that saves you a million dollars each year going forward, not just next year. So failing to make a $6 million cut will cost you $6 million that year, another $6 million. So your budget uh, surplus will drop very quickly against you. So I won't be here for this, but I would just say to everybody with the superintendent leaving these cuts that are scheduled for the 23-24 year, which need to be put in place by March or at least need to be understood by March, um, you don't have a lot of time and you won't have a, uh, depending on how things go, you will certainly have a, a new superintendent or an interim superintendent. So I would highlight for you all that that's something that I think deserves a lot of focus or this budget surplus won't look as rosy in a year's time. Sorry to be. Well, no, no, definitely. No, I think it's understood. I mean, definitely, it's understood. Yeah, it's right. well, he, well said, um, Foster, uh, Member Foster. Um, also, just remember that that four million dollars we we've actually kind of went out on a limb and said that we think the RDA is going to come in about four million at the minimum, probably um, more, and we've already added that into these other two fiscal years. You know, um, going out. So there's really. I feel like we've kind of identified most of the revenue that we can identify at this point in time. However, there are probably some one-time dollars or something like that are actually coming, but we need to figure out what we're really going to do um, to help ourselves, whether or not that's in um, cost savings or something to that effect of that $6.4 million to help us out. Right. Okay. okay. Anything else? No, I think go ahead. All right. I think well, let me shut up. Yeah. Let me try to finish this guy up. So we are doing a positive certification at this time for your first interim. Um, and the, the district will um, we will be able to meet those bills. We'll be able to pay those bills as, as uh, mm -hmm. John Keene has uh, mentioned for this year and the next two fiscal years, provided all of our uh, plans come out the way that we believe they will. Our next steps would be to actually receive the board direction on our district budget, budget rec recommendations tonight. Um, the board approval for the first interim, obviously for the 22-23, and then our audit firm to present on December 15th, which is next week on our, our final audit for the 21-22 um, fiscal year, which the FOC actually got to see last night and make recommendations on. Okay. Thank you. Well, let me just make a comment because I know that for many of us who have been presidents on the board, we always receive the letters from LACO regarding um, you know, all our budgetary situations here. And I know that on, on, um, in late September, I received a letter that was dated September the 14th, which was the, the, the approval of LACO's L, of our LCAP plan and also our adopted budget for 22-23. And in that report, they did, in that letter, they did recognize the fact that we had declining enrollment. And, and as a result of that, we could, it could have, it would, even though we're an ADA, it would 
most likely may, it may represent a loss of some revenue for the district in future years. One thing I think it's key because I know it's been brought up in the past, and this is when one of the strong recommendations they made in that letter is that we begin to assess, which is which Dr. Kelly has always brought up every year around March, and it's not because <laughs> we're doing to cut, but there's a basis for that, that we assess and adjust our staffing needs and facilities planning based on declining enrollment in our ADA numbers. So that's something that's really key that, that if anything, rather than bringing it up later in March, Dr. Kelly, um, you know, because you usually bring that up, that we bring it up um, maybe in January, February, start looking at that and, 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 and doing that. Because I think it comes a time when, when people will always mention the fact, oh, well, this is great because we need, um, what is it, smaller class sizes. Everybody brings up everybody, all these topics. But in essence, well, if you look back to see what the numbers are in the actual classes, we do have actual small class sizes. Small classes. So this is where we have to kind of weigh everything out, everything out, Hey, Gerardo, are you hearing what I'm hearing? Hey, guys, I'm sorry to interrupt, but the uh, sound just went haywire on Maria, and it, it we couldn't really understand the last 30 seconds of what she was saying. Oh. So the public won't be able to hear it either. Well, part of it is that... Oh, now we... No, no, no. That, we literally um, couldn't hear you, but now we can. It sounds much oh, better. Oh, really? Now you can hear me? Oh, you know okay, how cell well, phones okay. go all weird? Because everybody could hear in here, but I don't know what oh, happened. Sure, because... Why well, not? Everybody heard me in here, but well, maybe somebody didn't want to hear it out there. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, just to, to say that the recommendation from LACO was that we begin to assess and our and our just and adjust our staffing needs and facilities planning uh, and facilities planning based on the declining enrollment in ADA. And so I, that's what I was asking doc, Dr. Kelly because he usually brings that up every year in March that so maybe we bring it sooner rather than later. And maybe look start looking at some of those numbers in January, you know, as we proceed forward. So anyway, that's just my recommendations. And anybody else? Okay. Madam Chair, just, I know before we uh, we, uh, we have public comments. Uh, per okay. Our, per I don't our, think at the very beginning we had any. Agree, but we, I thought we made an agreement. I thought yeah, we no, made we did. An agreement. We did. Well, yeah, we, I we didn't. But we didn't have any public comments at the time of the agenda. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It oh, okay. Just, so, so people did sign up, but well, this while well, we were hearing this, okay. The person just signed. So I'm up sorry. I mean, we didn't mean to not have public comments, but and we went into discussion without, you know. Anyway, I, I well, all we were doing is clarifying. So, okay, all right. So let me go ahead oh, and. I don't, think and that, I don't think it's a big to do. No, no, we, no, it's not a big to do. Go ahead. One person, but ordinarily, if we were going to, the way we used to operate, and I think the way we do operate is we hear the staff report, clarifying questions, uh, public comments, and then we discuss. So we're already in the discussion, and now you've got to sign up, and I don't care. It's fine with me that we hear from the person, but we've got to have protocols, and those have to be the protocols so everyone adheres to them. Well, I think That's we just all. need to clarify, Lori, that at, at the beginning of when we started this, we didn't just, have, we didn't have any public comments and until during the, then we wouldn't keep going. So we would, that. well, it was just one of those things that, but anyway, it doesn't well, matter. It's my responsibility because I was trying to find the right time to say, okay, you should have, to decide yeah. between what was a clarifying comment and what wasn't by one of our peers. 
fact of the matter is we have one person who just recently signed up. It's Ms. Wendy Wadembo. Okay. Ms. Dembo, welcome to the Board of Education's public meeting, our special meeting. You have three minutes to address the Board of Education. And that is our only speaker, three minutes. That person is no longer on the um, on the Zoom. Talking is Ms. Dembo, would you like to unmute? Because we see you. We see your name on there, but we don't. No? Sorry, I was um, making dinner. Okay, come on, um, come on, come on. So is come this on. the general public comment? Okay. Ms. No, Dembo, is it is not, we don't have general public comment on a special board meeting. So did you intend to sign up on the interim budget item? Um, no, I, I just thought there was general public comment, sorry. Great, thank you, Ms. Dembo. Madam Chair, there are no public comments on this item. Okay, no, so this is, again, this the comments we were hearing are were specifically because this is a special board meeting were just for the items that were on the agenda, so. Okay, so now it's open for discussion on the, if anybody has anything, any comments on the first interim budget? I think Craig and I already said, our, we said our piece. <laughs> I can say the same thing as some of you guys have said, which is, I think to John's point, the point of the first interim is to show us, can we afford what our budget uh, budgeted for this year and for the next two years? And as, I think Maria and Craig have pointed out a sort of a sub issue within that is this fiscal, <laughs> while the message is we can, that's based on the fiscal stabilization plan actually um, occurring and to, and that, and that to Maria's point was that's going to have to do with staffing formulas, attrition. I mean, I think this is what you were trying to say, which will be known after the first of the year how that, what that looks like, whether it's gonna be a, a natural process, if you will, or whether it's gonna require more um, dramatic actions, I think, by the board. Well, I just brought up that point because like, uh, and I don't know if I'm the only one because I'm the president of the board is the only one that receives that letter. But I know that that Melody, no, she attached it. She attached this with one of the, one of the attachments to this item. So part of it is I'm just following, their, I, I, I'm recommending their recommendation that I thought it was a good recommendation in terms of that. And, and I know that we've always had that discussion, but we've always, it always kind of has always come like in March. <laughs> and, and so it kind of gets clouded with the whole fact that when we were giving the March 15th um, letters with that, people are thinking, oh, so you had that all in mind. I go, no. So I think they're mixing the items, you know, March 15th and, and this whole, idea of you know assessing our staffing needs so that's why i was asking dr dr kelly if for next year we can start maybe in in, in january to start looking at that so that we that it comes earlier rather than in march when all of a sudden everything comes kind of merges and a couple of, in one year or two we've had like the perfect storm when everything hits and people have got very upset so i'd rather just if we can maybe separate it by a couple of months or so we can begin that discussion I mean, that's just my recommendation because I agree with, with LACO's recommendation. Okay. Okay, go ahead, John. 
So I, I would just say that there's a couple of things that pop out at me from this because we, we do talk about this and what's our takeaway. The takeaway to me is just like we said last year, the district will not uh, be uh, fiscally sound long-term if we continue to pay for raises out of reserves. It's an impossibility. So we need to address the structural, the structural issues that would allow that. The good news is it seems to be, like I, I would call this a very beige first interim. There's nothing, there's nothing exciting and there's nothing, to, it's beige. We can do what we need to do. It's not an impossible reach. The one thing it does drive home, we clearly are shifting our budget to a basic aid budget. That's this budget for the first time really, really makes that a little clearer to me. And to do that, we have to get serious about our reserves. We're looking at reserve numbers that talk about what are what's best practice for reserves throughout the state. What's best practice for basic aid districts is to be beyond that. So I will say it for the umpteenth time, we need a board policy on reserves. Even if we don't hew to it every year, we need a policy that will guide us. That has to happen. Um, the other thing is a basic aid district, we have to be ready for volatility. Like Melody said, she's already working in the RDA revenue into this, which for Melody is a, is a big step. Like, I, like she says that, I'm like, whoa, she's, she's putting money in that we don't have yet. Um, we've got to be ready for volatility. How do we get ready for volatility? With healthy reserves and a budget that's sustainable. And I think we're on the path to that. So I think this is a good, solid first interim that lays out the work we have to do. It's beige. Yeah, it's a good look. There's nothing wrong with beige. It's khaki. <laughs> uh, board member uh, Leon Thank Vasquez. You. Okay, whatever. Yes, go ahead, Jordan. Um, to your point and the other point folks were making um, the, about the 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 recommendation of declining enrollment and staffing adjustments, that is a very common practice for all districts. And I think we commonly refer to it as um, enrollment-driven FTE or staffing adjustments. Um, LACO is recommending for our particular situation that there be um, adjustments to decrease staffing, but there are districts that have uh, enrollment-driven staffing adjustments that do go upward. So while they're making a specific recommendation to us for our situation, that recommendation for all districts is either going up or down. We just happen to have uh, a, be in a situation of declining enrollment. I think it's important to make that distinction um, just to, for us to know that it's not specific to us. Um, it's actually a standard by which they do qualify all the district's budgets in LA County. It's either going up in enrollment or down in enrollment and they're recommending staffing to follow mm -hmm. that. I just wanted to add that additional context because I think it's important to know that we're not the only one experiencing declining or increasing enrollment and um, I just wanted to make that point. Thank you. Thank you and, for that and that's, uh, that's very important yeah. what he just said as well because as that one graph said 83% of our budget is actually salaries and benefits and so if if you continue to drop an enrollment but continue to either increase your FTEs your 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 staffing or you stay stagnant, eventually we're going to have adults walking on top of children you know, and, and not have, I, I get it. It's, it's smaller class sizes and what have you, but we are at smaller class sizes at this point in time. So, mm -hmm. so it is time to look. Okay. Well, thank you. Are there any more other questions? No, 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 we're just going to bring back. This was just a, like, yeah, they were just presenting, but we're going to have this come back to us.
for a vote at our December next week at our December 15th meeting. Why isn't there a major action item? Actually, oh, so we have to, oh, we do, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Please don't make me go through all this and you're not gonna. Okay, okay, <laughs> see, that's what and somebody said. Okay, well, we were I'm, all confused. I'll, I'll move to accept the first interim. Moved by John, seconded by, by Craig, you wanna, okay, seconded by, by Craig. So we'll go ahead and take the vote. Craig? Yes. John? Yes. Jen? Yes. Lori? Yes. Richard? Yes. And it's a yes by me, so it's unanimous. So the six zero. Okay. Um, I think that's it. You know what? Let me see the question. I think for, for Craig, I think he's going to come to the next. Okay. Great. Craig, you're coming into the meeting on the 15th because we have something for you. Because this is just a special meeting. So we want to commend you. Anyway, so you will see you then on the 15th. And so everybody, thank you everybody for joining us. And that's it for tonight. And we'll see you on the 15th. Thank you all. Bye-bye.